Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. It's fall of 2000. There's a terrible election going on because time is a flat circle and everything is a nightmare. So here's a list of some cool movies we were watching to distract ourselves. Almost Famous, Best in Show, Drunken Master 2, Requiem for a Dream, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Castaway, Snatch, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Traffic, Shadow of the Vampire, and Dungeons and Dragons. Fuck it. Anyway, it's now Volume 5. Please play this song on the radio. Please play this song on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Happy 2017. This episode, now, Volume 5, coincides with Festivus, and believe me, there will be an airing of grievances. With me today... Singer, songwriter, artist, comic book magnate, the closest thing I have to a podcast, co-host on Now and Again, and longtime friend, Nico J. Nico, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here, happy to be back, hanging out with you. At this point with now, we are in November of 2000. Uh, last time we checked in with you, it was pre-Y2K, so fall of 2000, where are you in life? Fall of 2000, uh, I will have just started high school. I'm in a pretty irritating place. Yeah, same. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that start of high school, you know, it's, I, I teach high schoolers and, you know, it's that thing. They get to high school and they're like, oh, no, this is going to be overwhelming. And they have no idea what they're really in for. Uh, so I, I, I remember that horror because I see it every day on their faces. I was in that place uh, somewhere between uncomfortable public erections, thinking I knew everything, and <laughs> crying myself to sleep. Yeah, it's very much um, a Bambi kind of mode, just a, a wide-eyed. You're not as smug and shitty as you are like a year <laughs> from now. Yeah. But you're still a turd for sure. You don't know anything. You are empty. So should we jump right into the music then? You know, I, I think so, because there's very little I could say positive about the start of high school for me that I didn't uh, already get out in the first one. Yeah, and I'm, sh I'm, I'm sure we'll jump into some of that awkwardness naturally as uh, it comes up in the soundtrack for our freshman year of high school. Oh, because believe me, I definitely listened to myself uh, go on about Brian McKnight in the first one at way too much detail uh, on playback and thought to myself, oh dear. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I, I joked that this coincides with Festivus and the airing of grievances, but all things considered, this might be one of the, I mean, granted, we've only done five, but this is in the running for the best volume of now that has been on the show thus far. Here's what I will say. I think this is, for the most part, a large collection of big hits. I also think this is a terrible collection of songs. Oh, okay, well... Uh, for a minute, I was like, oh, you're, you're a marketing genius. And then, no, no, spoiled that immediately. But I can't wait to hear why you have to say that. Uh, and let's start with a song. You know, track one is usually the one that they sell this on. And on Now Volume 5, it's in sync with It's Gonna Be Me. Yeah, 
Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, this is another one of those Max Martin songs. A, B, A, B, layer C, and B on top of each other for the outro. And it gets yeah. that super competing harmony idea. Uh, this was always a really great format for NSYNC because it allowed them to have both Justin and JC sing together. Uh, that was one of those things about those bands back then where they had competing lead singers. And you mm-hmm. know, it was never a competition. It was obviously a competition. I think this is one of those examples of where they had room for JC and Justin, and it didn't feel like they were trying to throw one on top of the other. Yeah, you're completely agreed. The exact same format, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, alt, chorus. Uh, it, I think we just said the exact same thing in different ways. Tearing Up My Heart, my favorite sync song, does the exact same thing. And I had that question while oh. I was watching the video. So does Baby One More Time. So does... Um... It's, that's that's just the pop song is that format really yeah that's how you get the hook in you know the the correct amount of times in three minutes and 20 seconds and you get in that great variation on the hook and that was kind of my question is you know watching the video I, I realized and I you know maybe I didn't realize it maybe I've realized this before but it was more obvious here because now we're into like the second or maybe even third album of NSYNC what did the other three guys do were they just there for harmonies? Did they get tracks where they could be the lead, but those just were never singles? No, no. Um, so Lance was the bass. and um, Well, it's in his name. Yeah, it actually is, which is really funny to me. Um, I always thought that was kind of... <laughs> um, but yeah, he's the bass. You never give the bass a solo. It, it's Nothing we listen to is in that register, really. And when it is, it's like, a, yo, this is coming out of nowhere. Chris Kirkpatrick, the white guy with the dreads, uh, was their tenor one. He did those really intense sailing over everybody else notes that he just really got the hell up there. And again, you really rarely have a, a, a solo in that register. Mm. Joey, I want to say, was probably Barry tenor, which would mean he's like the second from lowest note in the harmony. He's the saxophone of the band. Yeah, noise. So I'm pretty sure you could call him the sax of the band. And uh, he did a really great job filling out their sounds. Uh, I remember seeing something about how he did high school theater. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's a great use of his talents because he can either stand out or support. He's actually a super talented guy. They all are. That's the thing. When, even when we talk about how, you know, back then we saw these guys as just total friggin' punks. You know what I mean? Like, they, as kids, we were like, not me so much, because I was like, ah, so pretty. But, you know, yeah. other people were like, yeah, fuck these boy bands. The thing I gotta say is they were all pretty, they were all pretty talented, actually. At least in NSYNC. The two of them, yeah, you had your two tenors that were your leads, and then the other people filled out the sound. This, in my opinion, improves on everything Bye 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 did. Like, I think Bye 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 is... I used to think it was a better song, but I think this might be better in every way. It's kind of the same song, just better. I see where you're coming from on that. Um, I also think this is a better song. You know, it's it's hard because Bye 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 really was the definer for this era. But because these songs and I I understand what you're going to be like but that's pop no no they all sound exactly alike yeah all of them they all sound exactly alike it is really difficult to pull these songs apart in some ways it's like how everybody sings never gonna give you up never gonna let you down together forever because it's just one big (laughs) song and actually in a lot of ways this is the best version of tearing up my heart want you back through bye 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 song by song max martin got a little bit closer to what made this formula great 
Yeah, and InSync definitely has its sound. And in the same way, the Backstreet Boys has ah, their I couldn't sound. wait to talk about this. I could not wait to talk about this. I have notes about this. One was dancier. One's a little bit more acoustic-ier. Yes. You can identify a Backstreet Boys song. You can identify an InSync song. The Venn diagram has very little crossover, and that crossover is probably, like, cute boys. No, that, that crossover is uh, Backstreet's Back. <laughs> There's – you can't have one do the other, though I'd love to hear that. I'd love to slide into that universe where the Backstreet Boys are doing some InSync songs and InSync is doing some Backstreet Boys songs and, like, some weird split EP. I gotta be real. What I would rather is I'd rather go to a parallel universe where they switched bands and just see how it would have worked out. Because I think you just... Or just, like, mix them up a little bit. Yeah, because you know what? And I know... Sorry, Backstreet Boys, I'm not attacking you, but you guys did not have the harmony chops of an NSYNC. And that's just that. It would have been really interesting to hear what the Backstreet Boys would have done with NSYNC and what NSYNC would have done with the Backstreet Boys libraries. And I think that shows because the Backstreet Boys, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, though they focused on a couple of members, they did allow other members to have verses more so than NSYNC seems to ever have. Yeah, um, and that's kind of because the guys in Backstreet Boys all sort of had the same general register. Which is why the harmonies are, are less satisfying. Yeah, less at least less complicated and less dynamic. Still strong harmony when they do it. But, you know, when you think about a Backstreet Boys song, you do tend to think just about the lead vocal. But, you know, when I think about this song in particular, it's going to be me. I actually immediately go to uh, two places. I, I hear the Justin Timberlake you know, channeling Michael Jackson, you might been hurt by, you know, that thing. Um, but then I sure. also think, I think about the C on B at the end. I think about the bridge layered over the chorus. Um, the, all that I do is not enough for you. And the, it's going to be me guess every little, that part where it merges all together. That's where my head goes for this song because the harmonies for NSYNC are so definitive of their sound. And I'm going to piggyback off of that because, um, and it actually stood out more, for me with uh, JC than Justin on this song, that this band has really found there. And I've harped on this idea on the show and I don't think there's been a better example here, but how much a vocal performance can elevate a song. And both of them really distinctly have their own voice in their separating verses, which is super important. And again, I think elevates the song above by, by, by. They're not just definitive performances. They're dynamic as Mm -hmm. hell. They are both, because JC hits every note like it's going to kill him. Uh, JC had this phenomenal vocal power, and he could really generate a performance. Like, it, it, it was effortless for him. And he always, it was, it was like watching, like, a Gene Kelly dance when JC would sing. It was really impressive. I don't know why the guy didn't become a superstar, too. Justin always made it look sexy and fun. Justin always looked like he was having a ball of a time performing. Yeah. And the, the only guy that could do that for you in the Backstreet Boys was AJ. Yeah, yeah. They, Nick. With the boy bands, it's weird because they're so f- like put together. It's kind of like you know, why do like ten or twelve pro wrestlers try to have acting careers, uh, but none of them can be the Rock? It's just some of them have it, even though they're all elevated to the public eye. There's a charisma that's undefinable that some of them just have over others, and Justin had that more than any of the other ones. He's he's the Rock of boy bands, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, 
Justin is like the, I mean, he is the one who emerged like a Michael Jackson from the Jackson five. The others all went on to have lovely careers and it was terrific, but man, Michael performed, Justin performed. It's, it's, a different thing to talk about them. You can't talk about them in the same context as their peers at this point because we are just enamored of Justin Timberlake's celebrity. You know, he and Jessica Biel, no offense to either of them, but I don't think they do too much significant. I mean, you know, Justin just had a big hit and that's great. But neither one of them has been like the biggest name in a while, but man, we still love them. They've just become celebrity royalty. And that's an it thing. The others didn't. Completely agree. Uh, the video itself is... Very, uh, I, th- I think I have a iconic. crippling fear of marionettes. <laughs> That's right. I knew. That. I, 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 um, I projectile. I project. I, 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 I throw up a, a lot when I, I see them. I, um, I, I have all. I have always hated. Uh, I, I have. I have always um, hated the, uh, this video. Well, the marionettes are bye bye bye. Heart. This is just where they're they're oh, have that this creepy is the plastic toys. face. Yeah, they're if this is nope nope. This video takes thing. place in the uncanny same valley. Thing. Nope, whole thing, whole set of whole set of videos. Nope, nope, nope. You can have all these videos and you can shove them up your ass. I hate all of them. Nope, never gonna happen. Terrible video. Can't even talk about it. Nope. Well, I agree with you because I have a fear of acid wash jeans and pleather pants, which are all the fuck <laughs> over this video. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I remember specifically that one of the points of this era in music videos, um, I watched, by the way, I watched a bunch of the other videos. I just knew better than to watch this one um, <clears throat> because I remembered the, the marionettes from back then. Just forgot this was the creepy toys. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of the, to- all of the, the things in this era were by NSYNC were a commentary on um, being owned by their label. You know, they're, they're puppets and they're toys in boxes. They're just commodities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and this was them setting themselves apart. And I can't lie to you. They really did. You really, I mean, you know, we talked about it in episode one. The Backstreet Boys set a, a one-week record and then NSYNC set a one-day record. And that's just not the same thing. It's still incredible what the Backstreet Boys did, but the NSYNC were just in a class by themselves. Well... Yes, NSYNC is top of the class. So let's talk about a band that is not quite at the top of the no, class. No, 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 no. These guys were in a strong third place. You got to give me that. <clears throat> 98 Degrees, uh, Give Me Just One Night, Una Noche. So I want to start with this is a bad song by an incredible band. These guys had harmony that none of I mean, I don't think NSYNC could do some of the dynamics that 98 Degrees did. Uh, 98 Degrees were, were such a classic soul band. They uh, they did Motown. They were on Motown, Motown, Motown Records, Motown. They did a song for Disney, uh, True to Your Heart from the Mulan soundtrack, and they held their own with Stevie Wonder. Mm. And it wasn't like, man, Stevie Wonder came on and saved this song. It was like, man, this is a good song. And check out all of these incredibly talented vocalists. Uh, 98 Degrees were just so talented and, and so charismatic. And Well, see, I think that's where that fails them. I don't think any of the guys in this band have the charisma that anyone, well, that, I mean, I don't want to compare them directly to Justin Timberlake. That's not fair. Oh, no. No, but yeah, none of them have that. Even, uh, you know, some of the second place guys, like maybe an Aaron Carter, like, they didn't have that. And I think a big part of that 
is we talked about this before. Three of them look exactly the same, and the other one looks like he should be an extra on ER. Like, they're just not a band that can stand apart as individual members. Well, and it doesn't help that two of them were nearly identical brothers. Right. They were, I mean, but that's one thing we have to say about 98 Degrees. Two of them went on to very satisfying careers. One of them is now a politician, and the other one, the last I heard of him, did a commercial for a help you get over your stutter product. Okay, wait. I, who the fuck is a politician in this band? Um, the, the sickly one. <laughs> the sickly one? So not the one with the glasses who looks like a dad. Justin. And not either of the brothers? No, yeah, the other. Oh, one. okay, Justin, yes, the one who doesn't. Justin something. The, the one who doesn't quite fill out a two thousand sweater like the rest do. Right, the one who's not like a big time bodybuilder, lifter, mega head. Okay, yeah. what is he doing politically? Uh, he's some sort of councilman somewhere. I read about it because I'm pretty sure he got arrested at a protest. Oh, okay. I'll try to find something about that into the show notes. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, I just come onto this show and you're like, God, what does he do? But just but just research obscure things. Do you think this song was a response to the Spanish invasion that was occurring at the time, despite I'm not 100% sure if any of the members of this band are remotely Hispanic? Well, they're not. And um, I think it absolutely was because what the previous album, and uh, I'm just going to go into my notes for this for a second. Yep. Uh, their their breakthrough album was a, a pretty huge deal. Um, they had a song, um, they had a couple of notable hits. Thank God I Found You with Mariah Carey and Joe. Uh, they had um, that song I mentioned from the Mulan soundtrack. Um, we did Because of You on a previous episode. Right, Because of You, uh, 98 Degrees and Rising. That song, that album was huge. They also, I mean, um, they had every, they, I do, right? That was the other song, I do, Cherish You. They had Fly With Me. They actually had a bunch of stuff that was really notable. What's really fascinating is I'm on the Wikipedia for their second album, and they had so much talking in their songs. Their Wikipedia says vocals and speaking credits. Oh, wow. That's not a great thing. I have a real problem with uh, spoken word breakdowns, which will come up uh, on side B. Um, but no, for for real, 100%, without question, 98 Degrees, uh, they they never found exactly their their style. They... They were originally really Motown heavy. Their first hit was a, a minor hit called Invisible Man, um, which was a little maudlin and a little heavy. It, it didn't really feel like the other boy bands. Um, then they had 90 Degrees and Rising, which was a pretty big deal. And yeah, then you wound up with Revelation, which um, was not a particularly good album, uh, to be fair. At this point in their timeline, they were basically being told, find whatever will make you guys as big as somebody else. There was really no attention paid to crafting a unique sound for the band. Everything was vaguely digital in a NSYNC way. And then there were some more acoustic guitar-driven songs, sort of in Mm -hmm. a a Backstreet Boys way. Ultimately, the problem was that 98 Degrees appealed to an older audience. They had stronger harmonies, they had killer bodies, they had man faces. And it's really hard to sell that to mom well it was hard to sell that to moms at the time because we had never done that before there wasn't sexy dad rock i don't know why there isn't a sexy dad rock Mm -hmm. band out there right now it'd be making a billion dollars i i had that in my notes too is that this is a slightly raunchier song like i mean that's very uh relative but this song is about fucking whereas like the backstreet boys and nsync songs are about it's gonna be me bye 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 like a relationshipy kind of stuff this song is about getting your bone on. 
Um, yeah, in fact, most of their songs were about things a little bit more heavy, whereas, 98, uh, whereas Backstreet Boys or NSYNC would do songs that were kind of like, you know, <clears throat> I'm clearly being facetious, but uh, a little bit, you know, do you want to go to prom? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. 98 Degrees songs were a little bit more like, we've got this kid, don't know what to do. Like, you know, it's 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 very different. Um, and that's really part of why they were a harder sell. The parents saw these like 16 and a half inch arms on these guys who were singing about when I get next to you, I get dizzy. It's sort of the whole Mandy Moore fell into on Mandy Moore's. Uh, we'll get to that later. Mandy Moore's songs used to be sexually explicit, um, almost in an anti Jessica Simpson way. Oh, like, well, please hold that because we will be talking oh, yeah. about both of those soon. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> anything else on uh, Give Me Just One? I noticed that the chorus of this song, you can sing the chorus and it matches syllabically and uh, almost uh, like each word uh, to the song Waiting for Tonight by Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Try that at home. Yeah, that's pretty bad. The choruses are the same. Yeah, I mean, that's that's some... Um... Halo, Gone, Kelly Clarkson, Beyonce stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, but that's it. That's that's uh, the song <laughs> didn't do a ton for me because it seemed like they were forcing the style onto a band that wasn't uniquely uh, ready for it. But we did talk about when we previous episode when uh, Iglesias came up that that Latin Invasion thing is more of a, a thirsty kind of pop. And 98 Degrees is the band that could do that as opposed to any of their peers who were much more boys, uh, or at least trying to give that impression. Yeah. You know, that really is a thing. Um, have on more than one occasion made comments about how sometimes these men would be singing these words in these, these boy band songs and they would be very, you know, pleading in their voice, but the lyrics would be things like, you know, I want to be your man and, you're not being commanding. You're not being strong. You're being very whiny. Yeah. You're being very, uh, be with me. And, you know, you're trying to be like, but I want to be with you. And it's just, it's not blending right. 98 Degrees, they're an example of that 100%. Yeah, if Backstreet Boys sang Give Me Just One Night, your impression of it would be like to talk about our feelings until the sun came up. <laughs> Give me just one night to plead my case. Exactly. Whereas we don't have to go too fast if you're not at that place. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. And that is what sets them apart. And I, you know, I could see your your point out. Like that's why uh, they were a clear third because that audience that's buying all the tickets and buying all of the all of the albums are te- young teen girls with mom's money. It's not the moms themselves. Yep. A hundred percent. Let's move on to our. This might be our first girl band. Uh, oh, no, we did on episode one, but our first successful Spice girl Girls, band, yeah. Uh, hey, no, we did Spice oh, Girls. Oh, that's right. Spice Girls, yeah. So let me... Uh, Bite your forked wicked tongue. Yes, I apologize. Uh, so let's move on to a girl band with Destiny's Child, Jumpin' Jumpin'. Hey. Ladies, leave your man at home. The club's full of ballers and his pockets full grown. Oh my god. This was this was no holds barred. They were like, nope, songs for ladies, get on up. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. This song fucking rules and This this record fucking yeah. rules. 
I remember I was I had a friend in middle school whose dad worked for a company and they were having uh, it was like a, like, a, like an entertainment company and they were having a performance by um 90, uh, by Destiny's Child at a uh, an NBA store or something and like they performed there and I got to go and see it uh, right when this album came out. Um, God damn, they were just talented top to bottom. This this song kill in so many ways. This is a game changer for now and again. Like Beyonce, this is before even like kind of how we're talking about with Justin Timberlake. It's a little bit of the Beyonce show in this video and the song. Not as much, I would say. Um, but like this is a game changer. The type of music we're getting is going to be transformed permanently by this band and this song. And then just the rise of Queen Bay is coming. You know, and that's that's kind of a thing. And I, you know. My favorite's always been Kelly. No offense, Beyonce. It's, you're, it's not you. It's just Kelly and I have a thing. Um, but it, it always was the Beyonce show. She, I mean, if you think back on No, No, No that they did uh, before this with Wyclef, uh, those runs she does, there's just no question. Beyonce was bam from day one. And it was one of those cases where the world wasn't quite sure what to do with them yet. And they slowly built up and built up and built up. And by the point of jumping, jumping, they were becoming a cultural thing, which is why losing two members shortly after this, gaining two new members, losing one of them, nothing helped propel Destiny's Child quite so well as appealing a series of hits to an audience that didn't get enough attention, young women in the clubs, who wanted anthems to leave their boyfriends behind too and things like bills 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 that's not a mm-hmm. song about a, a woman looking for help with her bills that's a song about a woman who has her money and does not need your help and bugaboo is very uh, on a similar wavelength if i remember correctly independent ladies and uh, independent sure. women sorry um you know they had non-stop hits about exactly what this song is about and that's women can do it women can kick ass and they can do whatever they want and that's really this song is probably the best example of all of that from the earlier days. Yeah, uh, this kind of generated that I'm a strong, independent woman that don't need no man like meme. Um, oh, speaking of memes, uh, I forgot to mention this with InSync. Come April like 29th, thirtieth, <laughs> people, <laughs> you can keep your fucking "It's gonna be May" memes. All right, shove them right up your ass. It doesn't even sound like he says May in the song. Okay? Oh, no, it does. That's like saying welcome to Earth. Like, no, he doesn't say that. Just watch it again, assholes. No, no, he he totally, totally says it's going to be May. I, I, I am on the side of angels here. He totally says it's going to be May. So, so these are the meme songs, but they're, the, they're possibly the two best songs. They're not memes like Rick Rolls. Like, not that that's a bad song, but like... You're right. This invented a whole kind of genre of that strong, independent woman who don't need no man. Like, we'll we'll get like hit 'em up style on future episodes, like songs like that. And yeah, you know that's this is just such a really fascinating. And I'm so glad you said it's a turning point for the series, um, because I have a, a big note I'm going to make as we get to some of these, uh, some of the more R and B tracks on this record. They get kind of conversational, which is an element of. Um, a lot of R&B, a, a much more direct lyrical sense, and this has it. This is even not just a crossover point for now. This record by Destiny's Child was a crossover point for pop music. Oh, okay, of course, and that, that trickles down to now. Like, it ha- like, now is such a microcosm of pop music at the time, so I mean, Destiny's Child is going to shape the landscape for a while. 
they're <clears throat> yeah everything they do they're not going to do much for a little bit actually because of the the aforementioned turmoil right. uh they're they're not going to do too much for a little while but what they do is definitive yeah being a a member of Destiny's Child who's not Beyonce or the one that was in Freddy vs. Jason uh, is like being a drummer for Spinal Tap. Um, I believe it's LaToya and LaTavia were the originals. Then it was Farah and Michelle, and then Farah left, the two that had been always in the band since their popularity began, because before they were Destiny's Child, they were a step squad, and I think there was like eight girls. So then it went down to the four, Beyonce, Kelly, LaToya, and LaTavia. Then they left, like I said, yeah. It's a step above drummer in, time, in Spinal Tap. And we're we just finished up 2016, and like the Knowles sisters both put out utterly incredible albums. They are going to like Destiny's Child is going to be whether directly or the remnants of it will dominate music for at least 16 years. Yes, it's incredible. Yeah, it's well, it's like, and I know we're talking about somebody who's not quite at the same level, um, but. Pink's been around almost 20 years. Yeah, and she will be coming up soon, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, if Get This Party Started isn't on one of these, I'm baffled. This is also the first video in a while that has kind of had its own style to it that I've enjoyed watching as, like, beyond just, like, people in front of the camera singing the song at you. Um, there's that really interesting, I don't even know what to call it, but, like, the shaking of the background versus the static... Uh, like women in the foreground it's this really interesting technique uh, and it, it makes the entire video visually appealing but also that style syncs with the sound like it's not just jumping jumping this video is like bumping bumping too yeah I mean that's one of the things that made Destiny's Child different than any other girl band before them was Destiny's Child always did it they didn't do it a little bit they did it. When they did uh, Bills, 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 if I'm not mistaken, that's the music video at the salon. I'm not sure. They're sassy and attitudinal, doing their choreography, delivering personality as they're interacting with the video. There's nothing about Destiny's Child that was ever phoned in. Period. And, you know, they're beautiful women, but they never feel like they're... This has come up before, is that sometimes at this time, because, you know... Putting a beautiful person in front of a camera, uh, regardless of what was going on around it, was such a thing right now. But they are not the video babes in the song. Like, this doesn't need it. Like, they they are the beautiful women in the video, but they're not just eye candy. Like, they are commanding the camera. Like, they, are, this, they feel like they're not people to fuck with. Like, the beauty isn't at the expense of their personality or their music. And that's so important. Yeah, I mean, they're powerful. That's even the point of, you know, all we're talking about with the music, you know, it they have presence and they're not there to be your arm candy. You're there to be their arm candy. Yes. It's kind of reminiscent of the way uh, Janet took control of her sexuality in the videos for Janet, period. She wasn't getting on her knees and rolling her head between a guy's legs. She was pushing a guy down by the head and rolling his head around between her legs. It's not the same kind of role we're used to seeing from women in these kinds of videos. But look how how powerful it is that we're 20 years late, well, 15 years later, and we're still discussing how intensely commanding the women are in comparison to other music yeah, videos. 100%. I mean, she's called, again, it's kind of a meme at this point, but like the whole Queen Bay thing, like 
that didn't just happen due to longevity. That comes from a personality that she owns. There's just an aura around her. We were talking about it. Justin Timberlake wishes he had the it that Beyonce has. I mean, and just to make the comment, there's just no question if not to be that guy, but Beyonce fought like hell to get where she is. If Beyonce hadn't quite been such a black woman, <laughs> who knows how far her it could have taken her it, it had, and not have to struggle so hard for everything she got. You know what I mean? Uh, it was hard for her to be taken as seriously at first. All the all the white pop princesses were dominating the charts. And here comes this young black woman and she has something to say. And it's not love me. I hope you don't break up with me. It's bitch. I don't need your money. Yeah, it's I just kicked in the fucking door. And there is no question that for everything she has, Beyonce has kicked enough ass to get there. hundred um, percent. You know, there may – and I don't know. You know, there's a lot of uh, versions of Now that are coming. And there might be a Beyonce song that's less good than the others. But I doubt that any of us will have a negative thing to say about what Beyonce has done ever. I actually am not – I'm not actually a big solo Beyonce fan to be totally honest with you. I, I actually really enjoy what she does, but I her songs aren't necessarily always my favorite. Um, I'm much more impressed with the artist. I am much more impressed with her. It's sort of the same – it's my same relationship with Lady Gaga. I'm, I'm, I'm tremendously impressed and I'm always blown away by the artistry of, of, of this performer. Even when I don't love the music, it's really about, wow, how did they pull this off though? That really makes me hope you're on the episode for Telephone. You know what's really funny? I don't like that song. Well, exactly, <laughs> but I'm sure you must think it's some sort of, like, incredible meeting of the minds that just outputs something that you never want to hear again. Uh, isn't that the song that she tried selling to um, Britney Spears yes. and Britney Spears said no? Well, there's a demo version of the Britney Spears song, and it is just not good. Much like how um, there is a, a Sia version of Carly Rae Jepsen's oh, Making the Most so of the Night that is just not good. As much as we both yeah. love Sia. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those cases where it almost sounds like, because that's not the version of it you know, Sia is doing a bad impression of herself. Mm -hmm. It's why uh, I, like I, like Rihanna, Rihanna has to work ten times harder than anybody else to be taken half as seriously. Rihanna's um, Diamonds is actually by Sia. Yeah. She wrote it. And... When you hear the Sia version, you just think to yourself, oh, my God, Rihanna is just doing a Sia impression. And that's why she says everything so strangely in that song. That's why she says diamond, mm. because she's doing it like Sia. And once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And you're like, oh, Rihanna, no. That makes that makes a whole lot of sense, actually. I, I did always wonder why we were pronouncing it like that. And I was just wondering if it was because of like the uh, like she's got if you've heard her talk, she's she's got some like of that that accent still. I didn't know if it was just a weird affectation, or but that actually makes a whole, whole lot of sense. Yeah, there's a, an incredible live performance of Sia doing it. It's it's startling when Sia does it. It's really cool. Well, let's you know we're going to be giving Destiny's Child and Beyonce a whole ton of time in the future, and like this, we're we're planting the flag now. Like this is the start of something special. Well, I actually think uh, I have a thing that transitions us right into the next song. Oh, please. Um, you know. When you're talking about our, you know, um, female heavy pop, R&B, hip hop in, in this era, there are a lot of forgettable names that sort of got cycled through because it was a period of time where they were trying to create that crossover market mm -hmm. where you could have female led pop R&B. Candy's Don't Think I'm Not is definitely one of those examples of somebody saying, mm, do like Beyonce. Don't think I'm not, even when you're out. 
This song kind of harkens back to that idea of what I was saying earlier. It's super conversational. Like a boy band song or a Britney Spears song is super intentionally poetically eloquent. It's, Mm. you know, not always brilliant. I'm not saying that all of it is, you know, Homer. But (laughs) um, we're going to get to show me the meaning of being lonely. Right. That's not, that is not when you're out in the club. Don't think I'm not. Which is what this song, this song is literally just like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think this song is just a clapback at a bad relationship. Yeah, one of the lyrics, and I think the bridge is like, women play the game too. It's not just men. Yeah, this song, uh, this song is just really trying hard to, to give, because when you look at the rest of this track listing, it's, uh, they're really trying to bring in a hip hop element here. There's still a little bit of rock lingering down at the bottom of the record, like the last five tracks. But here's another attempt at pulling in an R&B audience to start cross-selling this thing a little bit harder. And here's the thing, like, this wasn't a... I think so much of the music at this time, uh, for the age we were, is, like, linked to, like, TRL. Like, that's the only way that I really got any kind of, like, pop music would just be, like, turning on the TV when I got home from school. Like, oh, a Backstreet Boys song. Okay, whatever. Um, But, like, this was never making TRL, uh, and that sucks because I never heard the song before. Expected just to have this be another song where I was just like, hey, I don't really have much to say about this. This song's chorus is killer. And it's extremely, like, this is a big surprise for me on this album. This song is super fucking good. Yeah, it's mega catchy. Yeah, I wish the verses weren't such a dichotomy. Like, they really bring it down with the verse. I wish that beat was a little more bass heavy and throughout the entire song. Uh, and maybe that's just as a result of it coming after Jumpin' Jumpin', which is straight punching you in the face, whereas, like you said, this is more of a conversation. (laughs) It's just a really catchy song. It's got that kind of, like, move your shoulders, move your shoulders, move your shoulders kind of vibe to it. You can just kind of sit into it, and if you even if you've never technically heard it, you're probably like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard that before, because it sounds the kind of catchy that just gets stuck in your head. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and one of the things I discovered was not everybody listened to KTU growing up. KTU was 103.5. It's the local um, New York dance station. It's like New York Mm -hmm. City dance music. And so growing up, I knew all these songs that I thought were national hits, and it turns out you only knew them if you lived in New York City or Ibiza. Mm. And um, (laughs) so I just... Sorry, I just just caught what what the second thing you said was. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, yeah, it, it, it turned out, you know, that so many people I know don't know Jocelyn Enriquez or Amber as well as I do. And I always find that kind of strange. Like, I kind of know most of the songs on Stevie B's greatest hits. And most people do not. And that's one of those things. Uh, a song like this, Don't Think I'm Not, it didn't get the kind of label um, promotion that uh, a Britney Spears would get. So... Yeah, this was a great song, and I, the only reason it didn't succeed, in my opinion, is probably because more money wasn't put behind it. Yeah, and uh, also, we're—I don't know if we're at the time where R and B is really crossing over to the, the the you know the top forty as much anymore. Like Beyonce is going to help that, but there's going to be a real disparity between that poppy, clubby uh, R and B and this kind of more slowed down stuff. Like we're going to see that disparity in the, in Cisco later on as well. Uh, yeah. That's not my favorite Cisco song, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, worth mentioning also candy. That is one ripped girl. Don't know if you watched that video. She looks like she yeah. can bench press me. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Beautiful. I, 
I would not want to. I would not want to get into a fight with her. Um, yeah, I would pretty much just be like, "No, you win. You win. You're right. You win." Yeah, I'm pretty sure she could take this guy in this video. Yeah, um, and that that kind of even this song goes so well with jumping, jumping. It's it's a shame it's lost to the annals of now history. Yeah, well, hopefully that's what we can do. We can uh, bring Candy to slightly higher in the public consciousness than she was uh, in 2000 because the song is uh, a lot more dope than it has ever probably been given credit for. Yep. Candy, if you're listening, since evidently I'm under the impression that celebrities are always listening. Um, Candy, if you're... <laughs> Candy, congratulations. I called you a celebrity. And um, I actually don't know too much about the artist, uh, to be real. This song was never one that was really on my radar mm-hmm. uh, growing up. So, uh, But yeah, no, this song deserves more credit. This should be at least in some sort of YouTube meme. And uh, Mandy Moore agrees with us because she sang I'm Missing You Like Candy, right? That's what that lyric means. Ah, obviously. Obviously. Uh-huh. Let's get away from that joke as quickly as possible and move on yes. to Jessica Simpson's I Think I'm In Love With You. Yes, yeah, seriously, you need to trade that dad pun in for a minivan. Um, <laughs> I Think I'm In Love With You is... One of those examples of the worst, like somebody must have said, hey, I want to sample something. Oh, my God. I love me some Johnny Cougar melon camp. (laughs) How's about we sample some Johnny Cougar and we put it in a song that it makes no sense in? Oh, all right. So here's a uh, confession, I guess. I've never heard a Jessica Simpson song ever in my life. I've never that I can think of. Like maybe there'll be a song later on on the nows where I'm like, oh, that was Jessica Simpson. You'll know with you, you'll know um, where you are, you'll know, you might know Irresistible, but that's, that's iffy because you were already pretty angry by then, so. Well, you know, I'm, the first thing that jumps out to anyone listening to this song above the age of, I guess if they must have been like five at this time, maybe they didn't hear <laughs> uh, Jack and Diane, but uh, is that the name of the song? It's not called Jack and Diane, is it? That's the parentheses, right? Um... I think you might be right. Uh, I actually life, really, or is it I Jack actually, and Diane? Parentheses. Life goes on. I don't like that. John Cougar Mellencamp. I actually think this elevates that song, and I think this song still sucks. I actually really like John Mellencamp. Um, I think he's actually super talented. <laughs> well, uh, the, this sounds like this sounds like it should have been uh, thirty seconds dropped into the middle of Girl Talk's second album because the sample is so <laughs> bad. And so repetitively looped at one part of of that very recognizable riff that it sounds like just two different songs layered on top of each other. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. When I think about awkward samples that wind up okay, I think about Edge of Seventeen by Stevie Nicks and Bootylicious by Wait For It. Destiny's Child. That's an example of a really awkward sample where it worked out pretty well, despite overusing the, the, the looped part. This is a goddamn mess, and part of the thing is Jessica Simpson always sounds like she's straining for her notes. It's a very forced uh, kind of sound, um, and this is one of those tracks where it really stands out. Uh, and this also does go to the heart of what we had been talking about. Now, Jessica Simpson, at the time, very famously, married um nick lachey yeah both of the third place uh pop singers merged and made a merged mini empire uh for about a hot minute and uh they had been together 
they broke up, then they got back together and got married. Uh, and it's worth mentioning that Jessica Simpson, and it's worth mentioning because she felt it was worth mentioning pretty repeatedly, Jessica Simpson was known for being the chaste one. She was very religious and a virgin, and that was a big deal to her. Whereas Britney Spears tried to drop in that she was a virgin at one point and sort of like a, I'm not a virgin. And like nobody really believed it. We were like, no, you're probably getting it with Justin. Wasn't, um, if I remember correctly, wasn't a large part of that the fact that the Simpsons, like, father was their, I don't know, manager, spokesperson, mouthpiece, and he was like a real super duper religious kind of weird dude? Yeah. All of them. I remember the Arcade Fire wrote a song about, like, people like him and how creepy it is that he's, like, subtly selling his daughter as a sex symbol, but also being like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a complicated thing. Um, and, uh, you know, 90 degrees are singing, give me just one night. And it's this big, older muscled man. And then this is his girlfriend singing, boy, I think I'm in love with you. P.S. Don't go down there. And (laughs) it really represented the dichotomy of, of, of what they were trying to accomplish in pop music at the time. She's wearing a crucifix in this video. I've just noticed like a necklace. Is it a cross or a crucifix? Uh, Tough to say. This isn't the highest quality video. Because, you know, the uh, <laughs> the difference is the dead dude on the stick. So, I mean, <laughs> True. I don't see a Jesus. I don't think there's a Jesus on there. So that makes it a cross, which so, not that the differentiation makes any real difference. But, well, I mean, it'd be kind of – if in the middle of her sexy music video, she was like, but remember the sacrifice. Or if a <laughs> vampire attacked play. her on this boardwalk. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's going to go straight Buffy. And yeah, it's um, oh that it's, that looping it's a third rate single off a third rank album, and that's that lamping suple that lamping suple. <laughs> that, fuck, this song is killing me. This <laughs> looping sample makes the song feel like it's going forever because the music never changes. It's just that ten second thing over and over again, and every time, like I'm like, I click ahead on the uh, into the time <laughs> thing. How much long? We've all been doing this for a minute thirty. What the hell? Yeah, it's, it's such it's, a long song. It's brutal. And it's not. It's 3.30. It's a pop song. But the music just makes it interminable. And her performance isn't great. This is another one of those very whiny, ah, kind of performances. Yes. But you know what I've noticed? Um, I think she works the camera or is more comfortable in front of it from this one video I've seen of hers than the two Mandy Moore videos I have. Like, oh. Mandy Moore, which is weird because Mandy Moore will become a movie and television actress that is very good at those things. Jessica Simpson right now looks way more comfortable in front of the camera. You know, there, at the time when, when, when she had her show Newlyweds with Nick Lachey on MTV, she was famously too stupid to be believed. She would right. say things like tuna called chicken of the sea. The brand chicken of the sea must be actual chicken. And she said that buffalo wings come from real buffaloes. <laughs> and she then did a send up of it in her music video where she ate buffalo wings and oversized clothes to be Nick's clothes. Anyway, point of story, she's brilliant. Um, no matter what you want to say about her, she knows how to work a camera and she knows how to get attention for it. And I, I don't know if she's going to be on again, um, but I'd be interested to hear other songs of hers. Okay, good. Um, this video also has a shitload of Dutch angles. It's like they got a director who didn't – like he liked to turn the camera sideways but didn't know why or what that meant. Like why, why am I supposed to feel intensity when she's just singing a happy song while on a Ferris wheel? Why, like what are we watching? Battlefield Earth here? I mean I don't think they were like, we need Gus Van Sant for this. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think they were just like, get a guy. Make hey, sure he's uh, got a camera. Freshman at uh, USC film school, like, just hold this camera for, you know, it's a three-minute song. So let's say let's get eh, 15 minutes of footage. At the end of it, he's like, was that really only a three-minute song? I couldn't <laughs> tell. After the 80th time, it was just like, clap. I feel like I've been listening to the Cougs for two years. <laughs> well, if that song reminded you of uh, John Cougar Mellencamp, well, then maybe this next song is going to remind you a little bit of Maroon 5. It's No, fade- George Michael. It's it's George Michael. It's straight up a George Michael song. Oh, no, Soul, Soul Decision, if you're out there, I was your biggest fan. Let me be totally real with you. This song is phenomenal. I'm, seriously, if you don't like this song, I don't like you. This song is phenomenal. From the well, first line, when I get you all alone, I'm going to take off all your clothes. And out from there, I am Trevor Guthrie. I'm ready. Uh, well, I guess the podcast's over because we don't like each other anymore. I think that means, Fuck. or at least you don't like me. I, I love this song. I think everything about this song is a perfect, catchy, kind of 80s-inspired George Michaels-esque dance hit. I think it's a little bit George Michael, a little bit Michael Jackson, and it's a lot bit fun. Um, I think the rap breakdown in the middle is embarrassing and shameful. Yes. Uh, especially because the rap breakdown in the middle is from when they were an earlier band called Indecision. That's mm. why he says um, Indecision with the best floss from a full court press because they hate it. How's it go? Ha! Yo, faded. No, for real. I love this song. You can catch a cover of it on my Instagram. I love this song that much. Well, you know, I know what you look like, and I know how you perform your songs. Um, so I know that you won't make it seem like this is coming from a band of people who you shouldn't put your drink down near. <laughs> this song is so creepy. When I get you all alone, I'm going to take off all your clothes. Ain't nobody going to interrupt my game. Oh, no. And the chorus is, I'm kind of faded, but I'm feeling all right. Thinking about making my move tonight. Skip ahead. Oh, well, I can't pretend that you're only my friend when you're holding my body tight. Yeah, this song sounds like it needs a consent warning. Because yeah. I like the way you're making it move. I like the ma- the way you're making me wait. He's into it. He's into the wait. Uh, but then at the end of the night, when I make up your mind, you'll be coming on home with me. It does sound a little bit like uh, a trip to the dentist. Yeah, and and, uh, <laughs> and just wait until, uh, you know, spoilers for later on uh, on side B. But you will find out what kind of uh, people this song attracts. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Just what? wait. Just wait. But uh, oh, yeah, I'm... anyway, this song for right now, um, like, I feel like this is where this is part of kind of like you can see there's probably a missing link in there somewhere, but you can see the homo sapien that will come out and be Maroon 5 and walk upright at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, this is one of those songs that is remembered better than it was popular, I think. Um, it's one of those songs where when, I, I, when I'm, you know, at a party and, and for no apparent reason playing acoustic guitar sitting in the corner, or used to, because I don't think I have time to go to parties anymore. But when I did... It's I also a very high school thing. Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, you're, you're ruining the song for me by, by pointing out how rapey it is. Oh, and we will, we will do that again uh, later on. If you've never heard this band before or don't have any history of, like, George Michael... Your enjoyment of this song will entirely be how much you want to hear, like, a proto-Maroon 5. Like, at this point, Maroon 5 is still Kara's Flowers, and they're still doing, like, this kind of... 
bouncing between like sometimes doing ska stuff and sometimes sounding like the band from that thing you do. Um, like eventually, yeah. they'll become Mar- they'll become Maroon Five and um, pass through this, like a birthing canal. Yeah. Um, you know the other thing about this song that that really, if you like late '80s synth dance post R&B sort of um, kind of Kathy Dennis kind of New Jack Swing shit. This is totally up your alley. And what's really funny and that is so horrible to say is that this song came out in Canada originally in like 2000, which really does mean Canada's music is 10 years behind ours. Oh, yeah. The rip of this <laughs> the rip of this video on YouTube has the Much Music logo at the, on the bottom Much right. Much Music USA. Well, I don't like the Soul Decision song, you do, but uh, you know what I do like, and you know who's definitely not Canadian? Mystical with Shake Fast. Show me what you're working with. Shake it fast. Watch yourself. Shake it fast. Show me what you're working with. Shake it fast. 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 While we absolutely recognize that this song is like one of those songs everybody talks about, uh, I don't know that people realize it's one of the first times Pharrell was a big deal in your ears on the radio. I mean, Pharrell co-wrote Rump Shaker, but he wasn't in your ears like he was here. This is one of those just amazingly massive really blew everybody's mind songs. Yeah, and he shows up in the video at the creepy uh, Eyes Wide Shut party that occurs at the end of the video. It's, uh, I love this song for so many reasons, uh, one of which being similar to DMX's Up and Here on the last episode, uh, is that the radio edit, Shake It Fast versus, you know, the real one, Shake It, uh, Shake Your Ass, is like every third word just doesn't exist, which always makes me laugh when a song is so heavily edited for the radio that it's not even a song anymore. Yeah, uh, that always blew my mind. Um, or especially like when, when there's just like an obvious one. Like the whole point of bleeping should be to avoid the indecency, not just poorly mask it. Mm. And this is one of those songs. Um, it's sort of like uh, if you listen to the non-edited version of Get Low, you're sort of horrified Oh yeah, <laughs> when you find out what the real lyrics are for the first time. This song just sounds like it's buffering every couple of seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. And then I, and there's a and yeah. there's a, kind of songs. And this song still makes me extremely happy after all these years. The song is really good. Really, really fun. It knows what it is, too. And you absolutely cannot help but go, watch oh, yourself. Yeah. Like, I mean. Show what you're working you know, with. Shake! Yeah, it's you, you get too into it. It's it's immediate. It's it's instinctive. It's a response to the energy and the joy the song brings. Uh, quick musical throwdown. Uh, shake your ass or back the thing up. Um, that's hard, right? This Pharrell. Yeah, I think this edges it out. Just I hope that comes up. Um, because uh, back that ass up is really good, and also, like I said, it has that that dumb radio edit that uh, every third word doesn't exist as well. On the on the radio edit, isn't it back that thing up? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's terrible. That's embarrassing. Uh, is the worst radio edit of all time uh, Forget You by CeeLo? Is that the worst one? No, because it makes it a real fuck you when you buy the album. <laughs> so many parents probably got hosed by that. Like, oh, sure. Yes. Sure, small child. Oh, no, what have I done? 
Someone should send that man to jail, and then they did. Yeah. Then they did. (laughs) Uh, So I don't think there's much to say about Shake It Fast slash Shake Ass, but it's just, it's it's fun. Not nearly as much as I have to say about Maya's case of the X. So uh, Maya's Case of the X is just one of those songs that was super crazy out of nowhere. This song was not like other songs I'd personally heard. Uh, when I made a comment about it being super conversational, at, um, you know, the R&B around this time, uh, this is really one of the most explicit versions of that. It's a really dead-on kind of conversation song. Uh what you gonna do when you can't say no and your feelings about to show, boy, I really need to know. I don't know. It's, um, and you told me that she turned tricks when y'all broke up in 96. Like, this song is just so, it's so real. Yeah, uh, that's exactly the word I was looking for. It feels like a lot of these songs that we kind of talk about, the Bye Bye Byes or, um, uh, any Backstreet Boys song kind of sounds very generic and it's made that way so that it can cover the broadest range of people who can identify with it. This feels like it came like there's a story behind the music. You know, you never want to assume that the author has lived everything they've ever written about because that's so reductive and limiting, but like and depressing in a lot of cases. Yeah, right. But y- you got to imagine because every Hemingway hero is impotent that maybe Ernest had some trouble downstairs. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can only assume that uh, – let me look up the, the, the songwriters. I can only assume that um, Tricky Stewart and Tracy Hale and Tab – I don't want to disrespect that name, so I'm not gonna. But you can only assume that one of them was like, hey, you know what I hate? I hate when the person you're with is calling up their ex – and you're pretty sure they used to be a prostitute. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's either a really, like, personal story or this person has, like, uh, a script in the bottom drawer of their desk that they've never been able to get looked at. And they're just like, well, fuck it, let's make it a song. Yeah, it, this song is just so dead-on conversational. And it, it, it's, it's confrontational. Mm, yeah. This song... And the video, the video for this song is is terrific. Pretty badass video, yeah. Um, I, don't, and, I don't know. I really like Maya a lot, actually. Um, she uh, had a single with Cisco. Um, it's all about me. Um, she had the song on the Rugrats soundtrack. Yes. Um, she had which Ghetto sampled Superstar. that song sampled the Rugrats intro music and somehow sounded like less of a terrible internet mashup than the Jessica Simpson song. Worth noting. Um, yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, the song was written by uh, Todd Terry of Blackstreet. Yes, Blackstreet was on that song. Um, but no, Maya's super talented. Maya's actually a classically trained tap dancer. Huh. Um, which is why she does so much dancing in the video because she is phenomenally talented both physically and musically. She was one of those people who did have the it factor, but I don't know, her her presentation of her it never really synced up with what the market was looking for and Moss. Yeah, I think Maya should have done better than Maya did. I have always felt that way. I was a pretty yeah, big fan. I agree. She's pretty fantastic. 
Yeah, she's she's and you know her performance in Lady Marmalade. You know the, the four women. So okay, Chitlins from way ago, way way mm-hmm. ago. There was a song called Lady Marmalade, right? And it itself was a cover. But the one I'm talking about had Christina Aguilera, Pink, Maya, Lil Kim, and Missy Elliott, all doing this amazing cover of this song. Maya had the opening verse and, you know, everybody was always like, oh, yeah, Maya sort of had the opening verse because she's the least powerful singer. But I mean, we're talking about Pink and Christina Aguilera. We're not talking about, you know, Maya doesn't have the most powerful voice against, uh, I, I, I don't know, the chick from Ghost Town DJs. We're, we're saying that she doesn't have the song. You know what I mean? It, it's Pink and Christina Aguilera. You're allowed to have the not a strong voice. But this is probably Maya's biggest hit solo, yeah. I would say. Yeah, and video-wise, like, uh, hey, how interesting is it that we, both of the episodes you've been on have... Uh, Mad Max videos! Yeah, <laughs> post-apocalyptic Mad Max dance videos. Uh, Maya gets way into it more. She's dancing all up in that dirt. That can't be un- that can't be comfortable. She's got them low-rise jeans on. She's getting dust and sand in places that you don't want dust and sand. She's doing it for her art, though. I saw her, um, I saw her at Lilith Fair. And she act- it was her last night on Lilith Fair, and she brought out a uh, a board and she tapped for like ten minutes. Um, I I think she's like legit. She's a performer, man. She she knows how to do it. She puts her all into it. Uh, I've known you for a lot of years, and I think <laughs> I think I saw Maya tap dance at Lilith Fair is the most Nico thought I've ever <laughs> like, heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that same that same Lilith Fair. Uh, Sandra Bernhard did her one woman show between musical acts, and then she went to watch. Uh, my mom had gotten me really good tickets, and she went to watch. Uh, Sandra Bernhard went to watch in the aisle um, where I was standing, and I went over to her and I was like, "Excuse me, Miss Bernhard, I just want you to know I've watched your one woman show, and I think you're amazing, and I just think you're so incredible." And Sandra Bernhard just leans down and goes. Oh, look at you, you little gay. You're amazing. You stay you. And she had me stay there and watch the show with her for a little bit. And Cheryl Crow was up and performing. And she was like, that bitch is unstoppable. And like, yeah, it was transformative. Um, Sandra Bernhardt told me to stay real gay watching Cheryl Crow after watching Michelle and Degiacello and Maya perform. How... I could not have possibly known that my comment about being the most Nick statement uh, would become, like, the most Nico story I have ever heard. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then it was Sarah McLachlan's performance, and that's why I was really there. And my friend who worked security asked one of the photographers who said he was leaving before Sarah's set if I could have his seat. And I got to watch Sarah McLachlan from the front row. Because, like, spoilers, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but, like, the most you stories involve... You having some oddly in-depth knowledge uh, paired with meeting a celebrity, paired with something that you identify, like self-identify as an extremely gay moment for you. Like the <laughs> <laughs> like when I saw like when I sat next to Mandy that Moore is, at Wicked. Yeah, that's yep. yeah, that's what's coming up. Stay tuned for that, folks, because uh, that story oh, yeah, is and, fantastic. And it involved. <laughs> I'm going to tell the whole thing, too. <laughs> Uh, so do we have anything else? I mean, I really don't want to get to the next song, So, but I, I don't think I have anything else to say. It's a shame, because like Mystical and, and Maya, like both those songs are really, really good. Um, and like we didn't go too deep into them technically or like culturally as like the NSYNC song or anything like that. But like that doesn't mean that they should be ignored. They're, they're both great songs, but I think 
they're less impactful, uh, which means that they simply just stand as great songs and not as much like time capsules, which uh, is, is a shame, but that's why it's not track one, it's track eight. And that has to be okay. Yeah. There, there need to be songs that um, – I was just having this conversation with someone. I'm not a big fan of blockbuster culture. I think this, you know, this need, this need to homogenize everything into the same romance, thriller, action, comedy, drama, family, indie, noir that seems to be happening to every movie drives me nuts. I sort of think that's where music was headed in terms of pop music for a while. It was going to become this rock, guitar, heavy, dance, pop, R&B. And, you know, these songs still had their own personality. They weren't. They weren't the same blend of nothing that we're going to get to, even from the big names. Like, you know, there's going to be some really uninspired songs by NSYNC coming up, and that mm-hmm. just has to be okay. Justin Timberlake's first album is very middle of the road. This is sort of the last time you could really have a brazen personality in pop music for a while. And it's it's really interesting that now chose to choose uh, chose to include Shake It Fast, Case of the X, and even the next track, God Help Us, God Help Us So Much, God Help Us. <sighs> um, because this was the last time it was okay to say, I fill a niche, check me out, and then it stopped being okay, and you had to sound just like everybody else for a while. So I think, yeah, these being buried in the middle of the record, they're still gems to be discovered. Right, and like, uh, to make another, like, I, I, I noticed that on Now and Again, I make a bunch of, like, wrestling references, and I think that's because from, like, 1997 to, like, 2003 is the time when, like, everyone was watching wrestling. You had, like, The Rock and Stone Cold, and, like, so I think that that is, like, just linked in my mind to this time period but um i I called justin timberlake the rock of 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 uh pop music before because of his it factor and his longevity and all of that but like not every pro wrestler is going to be main eventing wrestlemania every year like can only be two or three people like maya fills that role that a lot of wrestlers who had long careers like had like where you're a 20 year wrestler but you were in the mid card the whole time but you were making other wrestlers look better or you were just putting on great matches in the middle of the card to like get the crowd warmed up for the main event. Like, if Maya fills that role on a now and again, like that's fine and that's good and that's important. Uh, she's still worth mentioning. She's like if Justin Timberlake's The Rock, she's like the the Chris Jericho, and that's okay. The world needs those people. The world the needs Courtney Cox. The Courtney Cox. Think about it. Friends went off the air. Jennifer Aniston became a superstar. Um, uh, Lisa Kudrow stayed kind of erudite. She did Marcy X. Remember that movie? <laughs> I do. Uh, no, she was phenomenal. I actually think the the opposite of sex is one of the best uh, movies I've ever seen. Uh, you um, know where I just saw her? She was perfect casting as um, spoilers, but you probably didn't get to the end of the season because it wasn't that good. But she was perfect casting as uh, Kimmy Schmidt's mom. Yeah, she was great casting. She was really great casting. But no, Courtney Cox, think about it. So Courtney Cox, Friends Ends, and then she does that really weird, creepy show on um, FX, Dirt. Then the writer's strike happens. Then they kind of like, oh, Dirt got writer's striked. It just wasn't a hit. Let's be real. She went for too dark a role following Friends. I never Nobody even wants to heard of that. Their... I thought she just disappeared into David Arquette until uh, Cougar Town. No, she did two seasons of Dirt where she was like a tabloid article lady that does sound kind of familiar. um jennifer aniston guest spotted in an episode it, you know it was it was a thing um and then after that she went over to 
Scrubs for a season, where that's where she and Bill Lawrence got their Mac yes. on to create Cougar Town. Then she did six seasons of Cougar Town. Courtney Cox Arquette, now Courtney Cox, just has a really stable, dependable career. And she fills out the syndicate run. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, now, now you've got Maya. Maya is the Courtney Cox of Lady Marmalade. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, we, like we could we love Maya. Like, don't get us wrong. The fact that we don't have a lot to say uh, doesn't mean that we don't like her. Like, we just defended the hell out of her and used terrible metaphors to do it. But like, Maya's great and she fills a role that's important uh, and her songs are awesome. Like, you, you know, it's going to be me and bye bye bye. But you might not remember Case of the X. And that's what this is doing. Like, go listen to that and realize how good that was. And it was a different sound. It didn't sound like other things. Speaking of uh, speaking of other things, I guess we have to do this now. We have to talk about this song. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would like to point out, and this is really important to remember. I understand that uh, Aaron Carter, right? Aaron's um, party, come get it. Carter was a thing. No question. He was a thing. Um, but I find it necessary to mention he was never a real thing. He was a thing in a very in a very uh, uh, children cared kind of way. He he was not the powerhouse any of the boy bands were. He was at best a hoku. He's... And I understand that he sold out stadiums. Truly. Because he was, you know... Aimed at children, but that's where his career was. His career was aimed at children. It was his cover of I Want Candy. It's That's How I Beat Shaq. It was Aaron's Party Come Get It. This song is just kind of like talking, kind of like rapping. My name's Aaron. Something's happening. Party, party, party. I think, and, uh, I think your use of he was a thing is important because, like, a thing can cover so much stuff. Like, like a South Texas local news report that covers... Um, People thinking they found a chupacabra, but it was actually just a, like a road-killed, mange-covered uh, prairie dog. That's a thing. And so I think using yes. a thing to describe Aaron Carter's run is pretty accurate. Yes, it's it's not. I mean, I mean, it's like I'm trying to figure out how to even explain how I feel about it. Um, it's a novelty Aaron song, Carter, right? It's. No, that's the, he was a novelty artist. Well, he was okay, manufactured. Yes. It, it, they were trading on the fact that he was Nick Carter's younger brother. Yeah. It was the ability to appeal to th- this boy did not have a lick of pubic hair. <laughs> so he could be he could appeal. Oh, don't use a lick and pubic hair in the same sentence. I know. That's why I stopped. That's why I stopped. Oh, everything's dying inside of me. Okay. We are definitely um, on a lister 3. Yeah, right. Ah. And I said it about a ch- Okay. Uh, edit this. So no. Aaron Carter. Oh, of course We're not. going on that list yep. together, buddy. Okay. Thank you. So Aaron, uh, yeah, he was, he, you know, his voice wasn't anywhere near cracking. And he, uh, he was 100% safe. He was the anti-98 degrees. We've talked about, like, why some of these bands who they were older, but they still had to be boys or why Hanson succeeded so much is they were just this perfectly innocent, non-threatening, 
pubeless like uh, thing that young girls could have. And hopefully, they made music catchy enough that the parents didn't mind hearing. Right. It. This is not one of those cases. No, this is um, the worst song we've done on this podcast by a large amount. And I had heard that that's how I beat Shaq's song before because um, that's hilarious and stupid. And Shaq rules. Like, I love Shaq. <laughs> um, like, so that song is, is its own thing. This is like, I think this is, this is like that, uh, those this is proto Rebecca Black. Oh my god, I was going to say this is those novelty videos that like rich parents pay someone to make a video in a my song. My jeans. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, this is exactly that. <clears throat> That's what it feels like in every way except with slightly higher production value. Like instead of getting three friends who could awkwardly be behind the lead singer, they got like 25. And it's important to note that I don't think without Aaron Carter there could be a Justin Bieber. Hmm, I don't know, because wasn't, I feel like this is just like Tiffany 10 years later, because she was really young when that started, too. I don't think kid artists are a new thing. No, but I think specifically, he was born, he's a year younger than us, right? So when this song came out, he was legitimately 13. Wow, and he looks 11. So we're talking actually prepubescent. Yeah. This was different. If anything that you could draw the line straight to the Beebs, it's that, um, like, precocious, like, how are you such a big douchebag at such a young age kind of attitude? Well, I was thinking of um, Baby, like, early Bieber. Yeah, okay. I, I... I don't know, I'm watching the video right now, searching for stuff to say, and I love that they uh, they they slammed, like, an adult black man into the video for five seconds to give him some sort of quote-unquote, 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 how many air quotes can I use cred? Well, I mean, that's the guy he knows that he knew Shaq. Oh, man, I hate this. I hate everything about this. Um, I almost feel like it's punching down, but, like, he's not 13 years old anymore. He can take it. Also, he's, I guess, kind of an asshole- in real life now? I don't know. As a gay man, hi there. As an uh, out and like, kind of proud, you know, <clears throat> I don't know that I'm proud that I'm out. I just think it's necessary to be out. I think if it's just part of who I am. Uh, I sometimes get into this with students where one time a student asked me, you know, what am I doing that day? And I'm like, oh, well, it's my husband's birthday. And I just say it naturally. And mm -hmm. they were like, you're what? And I'm like, my husband. And they were like, wait, I'm, I, I think I'm misunderstanding you. What? And I'm like, my husband. And, you know, I'm not – I don't think I'm the hardest man to read. I don't think it's a huge secret. I don't think I make it a secret. So um, the fact that children are still baffled by it is is a thing that I notice. And, you know, I don't – everyone does not need to come out. Everyone does not need to be out. But there is something about the normalization that comes from more people being out. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I don't know if everybody here has seen Rogue One, but there is some coding – for a gay couple in, in Rogue One. And I'm so happy that it's there. That's terrific. But I think it's important that we take a step back and say the further and longer we code, the more we normalize coding. Yeah. And 
there has to be a step forward at some point. So if this kid grew up in the public eye and has seen the way the world has transformed around the idea of gay rights and the idea of gay acceptance and knows that he could be a beacon of hope to people and knows that there are people who will be touched by his coming out and is like, uh, thanks for the money, but nah. I think that's kind of a problem. Um, if he's not gay, well, that's fine. Do whatever. But, uh, you know, it's weird to take our money and then say, but no, nah, I'm not one of you. Peace, though. And I'm not crazy about that. Yeah, that's completely understandable. Um, I remember him during the election talking about um, – and this is why I thought he was out was because um, people were like – uh, he, he said something positive about Donald Trump and people were like, how could you say that uh, when like he's going to take away LGBT rights and all that stuff? And then he, his response was like, oh, I guess I was uninformed, blah, blah, blah. But like the specific thing that they targeted to like call him out on um, and then him backpedaling is what made me think that that was um, that was where he was at. But yeah, he has a really huge gay fan base. Gotcha. Gotcha. OK, um, so we got actually a. I'm shocked we got any kind of like interesting, important, borderline important thing to say um, out of this fucking garbage song. <laughs> um, Good for us. As, yeah, you know, Aaron Carter sparking the debate of um, homosexual inclusion in popular culture. There, there's, there's one point in this video where he's on like a, a, a high handled bar bike surrounded by young girls uh, while dressed like a Halloween pimp. And all I could think was like, oh no. Are you sure you're you grew up to be Aaron Carter and not Macklemore? Oof, that's brutal. <laughs> um, you know, Aaron Carter was another one who didn't have a really strong identity. He uh, made whatever they put in front of him. Well, I mean, his identity, much like Ashley Simpson's identity, was the younger sibling. Hey, you know, you can say that all you want about Ashley Simpson, but Ashley Simpson accomplished something her sister never could. Uh, naming and- her kid Brooklyn Mowgli or whatever the fuck. An album that opened up at number one. Oh, okay. We'll definitely get to Ashley Simpson on this uh, on this show at some point way down the line, and I will talk about why I actually like an Ashley Simpson song. Um, I like three or four. I also get to post the video where she gets booed out of the stadium at the Orange Bowl, which is hilarious. I enjoy I enjoy her dance on SNL. Oh God, yeah, she had a real bad couple months, didn't she? How did this? Con- how didn't this come up during Jessica Simpson? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's like a five-minute chunk that you guys didn't hear because it was edited out of us talking about anything but this song. But it, just, <laughs> it just feels like punching down. Like, we're, he's like a 13-year-old kid when the song happened, and I don't know, it's a shit song. No one should listen to it. It was of its time, and if you weren't... Even then, barely. Yeah. So let's move on to an artist who was not a footnote in any way. Britney Spears. Lucky. forgot about this song and then i thought it was a different song entirely based on the music video not the best britney spears song i really feel like britney spears going going ballad this isn't quite a ballad but going ballad britney is bad and this weird middle ground is like ah there's it doesn't hit any of the good stuff it's a 50s throwback bop bop 
Oh yeah, no, the bass line absolutely. It sounds exactly like um. It sounds like Duke of Earl. Inspired. Um, it is really from the era of Britney where she could throw change in a well and people would be like I'm gonna dance to it it was just a thing she was a cultural phenomenon and we couldn't get enough of her or talking down about her or anything and you know it didn't help that she recorded these songs that made it sound like she was like it's so hard to be Britney stop it yes there were times she really brought it on herself like Extina Aquafina it is unbelievable that Britney Spears wanted us to root for her with a song mm-hmm. like Lucky. No, yes. you are not the princess in the tower, my dear. Well, there's there's a big part of me that anytime, like, there's there's this micro genre of, like, rich people are still people and that people can't recognize that, so that makes us sad. But, like, as someone who is not rich, I just think, fuck you. But then there's a part of me that realizes that there were... Eventually, Britney Spears is going to have very real, very public mental health issues and like the cry for help that exists in this song may not have been coming from her but there is something that is part of her that is in this song and I don't want to immediately dismiss it because of that but it it does still ring false yeah it's it's that whole it's so hard to explain because you're right. You know, the, the fact that Britney Spears actually has a sadder story than, than we're really giving her credit for. The fact that her father controls her career by court order and she's treated like some sort of child or property is absolutely un, unbelievable and unforgivable and unfathomable. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, at one point, her father's gift to her then fiance for their wedding was going to be legal custody of Britney. And Jesus Christ. That is so medieval. I'm just deeply uncomfortable. But yeah, you know, Britney Spears really made some complicated decisions for a while. She grew up in the public eye. So many things were said about her body at such a young age. She was so sexualized at such a young age. And yeah, we can say, you know, she knew what she was doing. But I mean, no, no. I say stuff all the time where an hour later I'm like, oh my God, why did I say that? And at 16, you don't realize the contract you're signing. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and I do – I totally agree with you, especially in context of her complicated and repeated emotional breakdowns in public. This song does kind of read like like uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared levels of oh. sending a warning sign maybe. Yeah. Um, well, there's another video eventually, and I thought this was where this was going, but it's a different video. There's one that – she also plays like a famous person and the video ends with her offing herself in like in a bathtub. Do you remember this at all? Is I it don't know what song it is. Because every time it is it every time. I think it is. Cause I think that's I the know. one produced by guy Sigsworth from Fru Fru. Okay. Possibly. I mean, I'm hoping that video comes up at some point because I think that is much closer to... And she's, um, like, running through a hallway at one point with, like, a cape on or something. <laughs> that seems right. That's much closer to, like, the sirens are closer and louder, Britney. But also that song is just forever married to Spring Breakers for me. Um, so I'm not sure if that's actually the song. But there is a one where she's, like, a celebrity, and the video ends with her killing herself in a bathtub. And, yeah, this, there's this kind of trend line through Britney Spears's career of, like... Being a, a hostage that has to read uh, a note on camera and just her eyes are screaming even if she's not. <laughs> oh, oh, Brittany Jean, no.
Oh, yeah, she's – no, I mean, you know, we, we're talking – there's a lot of ways in which we should be talking about Britney Spears as a victim of, of celebrity. Um, it's easy to poke fun, but, you know, I I can barely understand the psychological traumas that affect a person like me, let alone a person like her. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess I maybe do feel a little bad picking on her for trying to root for her in this song. Uh, it's just, you know, especially at that point, she's, she's shitting glitter in this video – um, oh my god! I love how much glitter she throws, and she's like, "Look, glitter!" It's it's like it, it's so artificial. There's something so saccharine about the smile, and it yes, it it just doesn't play well. the The video itself has this like little breakdown, and God, do I hate when videos interrupt the song to like do video shit? Um, but she gets her little acting moment, uh, and th- that whole time I was wondering, like, is this where Crossroads came from? No. Because she gets she just tries, she just acts the shit out of this ten seconds that she has. Yeah. I mean, it's that thing where they're they everybody's telling her she should cross over. She should cross over. She should cross over. She should cross roads over? Yeah. Uh not really. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Oh man. I I've never seen it. I kind of want to do like a live now and again commentary to that. That or glitter? I've also never seen that. Um, my relationship with Mariah Carey means I saw glitter. Let's not... Which is worse, glitter or Crossroads? They're unrelated creatures, so they're both terrible in their own beautiful way. <laughs> like, okay, um, okay, ready? I have to close my eyes during Antichrist, and I have to close my eyes during Black Swan, but not for the same reasons. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. That is my relationship uh-huh. okay. with both Crossroads <laughs> and Glitter. So which of those two involves genital mutilation? Glitter is totally Black Swan. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, then. Uh, Cro- yeah. Forever Crossroads will be... Antichrist, uh, because don't they Willem both have... Willem Dafoe's a- bloody dick. Don't they both have... A- they both have dead babies. Not Black Swan. No, no. No, no. Antichrist and, um, and Crossroads. Do they? I've never seen Crossroads. I don't know. Isn't there like a? I don't remember it. But isn't there like a, a like a, a, a miscarriage or something? Oh my god! If that let's if look that, it up. Let's look it if up. If the disposable Britney Spears movie has like miscarriage in it, that is, I don't want to say incredible and like trivialize miscarriage, but like that is the last thing that should be in a Britney Spears pop movie. What are we doing here, people? Crossroads movie 2002. Jeez, evidently, it's not the crossroads that comes up for Wikipedia. See you at the crossroads. Okay, wait, let me search, on, find on page. Miscarriage? Okay. Oh, Jesus. Does not come up. If you, weren't on a, if you weren't on some kind of list before, you definitely are now. Okay, wait, here's the thing. No, there's no kind of dead baby in it. Okay, good to know. Just edit all of that out. Uh... Wait, no. Mimi reveals the baby. Oh, there's a, there's a, uh, so Mimi reveals the baby's father is not her boyfriend, but a guy who raped her after a party. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so, uh, I found what I was thinking. <laughs> what are we doing here? All right, let's get away from Britney Spears. Let's Hopefully run. in the future. Yeah, uh, but in general, give me like disposable baby one more time oops i did it again toxic britney spears and less like whatever the fuck this britney spears is um now let's talk about the worst backstreet boys song to date 
Yes, Backstreet Boys, show me the meaning of being lonely. song would have been so much better in 1987 yeah yeah it's so dramatic before we get away from like the i don't want to punch down on this because britney spears had general general uh, had genuine issues <laughs> they say um, genital herpes yeah genital issues this song is about well they didn't they probably didn't have too much hand in writing it but the video at least which it's tied to is all about their own experiences with death and grief. So they had uh, nothing to, to do with writing it. I'm looking it up. I'm, yeah, it was written by Max Martin. Uh, so it all touches on their band's real life issues. Latrell had undergone open heart surgery the previous year for a defect he had since birth, which is why in the video he's watching like a patient dying. Um, Duro is that Howie? I think Howie. Um, yeah, his sister died a year earlier of lupus, so he's like sad about uh, this. This picture of a woman he's carrying um and it uses actual footage of the guy with the, another guy with his dead father so like part of me doesn't want to be like this song is bad because they're tying this to real life like tragedy and sadness but the thing is th- it's not required to watch the videos while listening to a song uh which we are doing but if you just listen to this song there's nothing that tells you this is really a song about death. This is vague enough that it can just be a breakup song. I don't think that it's vague enough. I mean, I think how can it be you're asking me to feel the things you never showed? That's like right. that's I mean, that's a weird thing to scream at dead people. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like where we talked about how Together Again um on volume 1 is clearly a song about death, but does something with that. This is trying to have its cake and eat it too. It's like we don't want to introduce anything serious to our young girl fan base, but we want to be artists. Um, so we're going to sing this sad song about death, uh, but we're going to mask it and not make it be about death unless you have the context of the video, which doesn't work at all and removes all of the pathos from the song, thus makes it a complete failure. I I, I just think it's bad. It's, it's just bad. <laughs> like it's Well, what does the what does show me the meaning of being lonely even mean as a sentence? It's just Nothing. a feeling I need to walk with. Is that the line? Tell me why I can't be there where you are. There's something yes. missing in my... I mean, I guess you can see there's death too. I don't know. It's... it's. Well, sure, but any breakup song also kind of like could be turned into a death song if it's vague enough. But there are specific things that connect it to either a relationship or a death of a loved one. And this doesn't do that. This song is not about death unless you're watching the video yeah um it, it's not even then like because it's only sometimes then it the nick carter stuff only makes sense if you know that that guy looks like their dead producer yes correct they they, they give a tribute to this fellow named uh dennis pop pop in all capital letters because it's 2000 and yeah so they they someone that they worked with professionally died so it's it's all tying into that only in the video. The song does nothing to carry that. Yeah, I, I just think it's a bad song. I think it's maudlin. I think it's hyper-depressing. I think it sounds like a funeral dirge without the context yes. of it being about a funeral. It's just it's just maudlin and heavy. 
And it's kind of what we're talking about. Like, this is a Backstreet Boys song. NSYNC wouldn't pull this bullshit. Right. When they do God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You, which <laughs> sucks, um, that is still very clearly an NSYNC song, though. That feels like... And like, them. Gone. Gone on their next album, on Celebrity. Gone. It's such a great song. Yeah, this song doesn't work at all. Um, nope. It's, I never liked the Backstreet Boys. I feel bad, but I didn't. Yeah, I have nothing else to say about this track, but it's um, it's somehow the worst Backstreet Boys song we've done on this. Oh, did you guys already do the call? Uh, no. Okay, then that is the worst Backstreet Boys song ever. It's a song that's like, seriously, the, the line is, baby, I'm sorry, uh, don't worry, my battery is low, don't wait up for me. It's about a guy going to like... He gets a call from an ex or someone he's interested in, so he decides, to, he decides to cheat on his girl, and the lyrics are, let me tell you about the call that changed my destiny. Hmm. It's ridiculous. There's worse coming. We're kind of at this dead point in the, uh, in the now and again where we're just hitting uh, songs that are completely forgettable and barely worth mentioning. Uh, but this is Cisco. But this is in- the last one. This is Cisco with Incomplete. That without you, girl, my life uh, I'm not going to spoil what's in the emissions part, but there's a reason that um, one of the songs is there, and it's because I have literally nothing to say about this song, and no one remembers this song. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, this was the only song I had to look up. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I've got nothing to say about this song. Um, if you've ever heard an R&B song, remember Volume 1 where we were talking about that Casey and JoJo song that was like a really yeah. sappy maudlin, uh, not as good as All My Life, or was it All My Life? Um, all My Life, yeah. Okay, so on a different one, we talked about like a sub All My Life. Like, that's where this is falling. It was like his third single or something. Um, you know, Drew Hill was cool, Thong Song destroyed his career, uh, it's one of those things he'll never be able, he was never going to be able to get away from Thong Song. It was, you know, at that point, you've got to say to yourself, was Cisco at some point saying, fall off the charts, fall off the charts. Oh my God, I want to be remembered for anything else. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it, you know, I don't even know why this was on here. Maybe they just wanted to get Cisco back on here because by this point he was a name and appearing in films. Yeah, it, it sucks to end this half of the episode on such a low note between. Like, a bad Britney song, a bad Backstreet Boys song, and this fucking nothing Cisco song. Like, it started so strong and this kind of failed, and I think that's a failing of the Now albums in general, is that they really front-load it, and then they're willing to put the middle... It's what I tell my students when they're writing that old five-paragraph essay. It's like, if you have three points of argument, stick your shittiest one in the middle... Because that's the one people will remember the least. And I feel like now is doing that to us. Uh, but we don't forget here. It's why two-thirds of the way through the first act of a musical, you're like, oh my god, it's dragging. Oh, it's picking back up now. Yeah, but in a Broadway musical, you at least get an intermission. I mean, I guess you can and should walk away from the radio that is playing this song for four minutes and 37 seconds of Cisco's Incomplete. It sounds like it's too complete to me. <laughs> My notes on this song are incomplete because there is absolutely nothing to say. Yeah, I, I just have that this is probably the least memorable Cisco single. And that's saying a lot because I think most people couldn't name more than one Cisco song. 
And I already named an earlier one this this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's This song is complete trash. Or is it incomplete trash? Uh, well, I guess we're going to go out on a big old <laughs> wet fart of that pun for this uh, side, <laughs> a of, side A of now and again. Hope we, hope we didn't make you too miserable talking about uh, some real issues and then terrible songs on the back half of this episode. And just think, if you guys come back, you can hear my Mandy Moore story after oh, I yeah. taunted we're you put, with we're, it. We're putting that on the next episode because we've hyped up the Mandy Moore story, uh, and it's a good story. And that's what's going to open uh, side B of Volume 5. Uh, hey, I said we were going to do the airing of grievances for Festivus, and it happened. Uh, tune in next episode for the uh, the challenges of strength. Nico, where can people find you online? KidRiotComics.com. It's got links to all my social media. Uh, can't miss it. Um, other than that, it's like checking my Instagram. And, you know, I can give Chris that for the text stuff. Mm-hmm. And you just released some uh, pretty poppy music oh, yourself. Yeah, right. right. I, ha, you know, I'm just always so excited to tell people about things I do that I forget things I do all the time. It's mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, so uh, making some cool music, action duo. You can't miss it. It's, uh, it's basically 90s throwback R&B. Yeah, it's I'm just not even playing it's just new jack swing uh you can check us out at facebook.com slash action duo all right that's it for this week thanks again to nico check out all of his places you can check out in the show notes over at cageclub.me you can also follow us on twitter like us on facebook write us an old review on the itunes tell that friend of yours who always tries to get you to go see third eye blind in the summer you can also write into the mailbag at nowandagaincast at gmail.com because I know you all have opinions on some of these songs too. Stay tuned next week for part two of our What's Left to Love in 2016 special. And after that, Nico will be back for side B. Till then, we will catch you on the flip side. From you, just from-